Welcome to Nobody Told Me That, your source for candid business talk and stories. Your host is speaker and author Teresa Duncan. Sit back, buckle up, and hang on. Hi, everyone. I am coming to you from an airport, which is pretty much where I live most of the time. I wanted to give you a wrap up of the Southwest Dental Conference, which uh, I was actually very lucky to be chosen to speak there. Um, It's a wonderful meeting and they just do a really good job there. And uh, I was very thankful to be on the podium um, with so many esteemed people. And I got to meet a lot of clinicians that I just have not met before, which is kind of cool. What ends up happening a lot of times when you're on the road is that you see the same people over and over again. And that's why we tend to call each other our road family. Well, to expand that road family is always really nice. And uh, again, I apologize for any background noise. I'll try to... to, um, try to get rid of that in the future um, and hopefully in the editing I can do that but you know airports are are busy so the two classes that I gave uh, one was the um, buckle up insurance changes are coming which is one of my most requested classes and it's uh, usually either in a study club format or it's a three-hour format and what it does is it goes over the the changes that are coming up what we need to look out for what are the big issues that audiences are hearing or i'm sorry not hearing but experiencing and and what can we do to change that so it's it's more of a it's not really a tactical course it's more of a makes you think course and it also gives you some homework in the form of taking a look at your participation levels um, and and basically seeing if it if you're actually making any money because what ends up happening a lot of doctors will take the class and then go back and take a look at their numbers and realize that it's actually costing them a lot of money to participate in certain networks not all but in just certain networks and so what it does is it just gets them thinking about that so that was all that's a really that was a fun class the audience level was all over the board as far as skill levels you had doctors in there and you had managers in there and there were a couple newbies who came up afterwards and were thinking oh geez you know what am I getting myself into and, and I said yeah don't worry about that it, it, it's a wonderful world that we're in I love I love dentistry I love dental insurance and and we just really need to figure out how to fix this in our industry and make it work for the provider um, again if you've ever listened to any of my classes it's not a, uh, us versus them it's it's pretty much it, it's one business with another and that's how we have to see it uh, you know be- beating our heads against the wall isn't really doing very much for us so what came up in in this class in the buckle up class and I'll talk about the second class in a second what really came up in the buckle up class was uh, that networks are really just becoming the biggest source of frustration in offices so you know you always hear that reduced reimbursement is a big issue and people of course were complaining about that Um, and and I'll talk about that in a second with the whole Delta um, situation but what what is really coming across loud and clear especially this year is yes the reduced reimbursements are happening and and everybody pretty much expects that so that's not it's not too surprising the biggest thing that everybody is upset about is the networks so um, the network there's network confusion and and doctors are finding out that they're signed up on different networks and they didn't realize it office managers are telling um, or insurance coordinators are telling patients one thing and the patients are going back to their HR and finding out something different 
which really erodes that trust that patients place in us. And so it's really important to make sure that we are giving them accurate information. But what happens if the sands shift underneath us and, and we thought we were in a network or we thought we were not in a network, and it turns out that we are. So that's what offices are, are, are really working with is, is that they're having to constantly check the provider roles to make sure they are actually um, enlisted. And then they have to also check to make sure that they're not somehow on somebody else's provider roles. Uh, one of the tips that uh, one of the attendees gave is that she she keeps in contact with the provider relations people that she signed the contracts with and she she will shoot them an email you know about once every three months or so just to see if anything's changed with network participation and um, that works for her and of course she she obviously has the time to manage that Um, one thing that i see on people's faces a lot um, and and just being a presenter i can read this um, is when a tip is given by somebody in an audience they will typically say something like it's really easy just do this or some sort of you know helpful hint by saying just do this or just do that what that does is it really does make somebody shut down when they're listening to you because it it makes it seem like it was so easy for this particular person but the person that you're talking to may have a whole bunch of other factors that are not really considered so so as a presenter when I hear somebody say that what I need to do is kind of soften the blow to the audience members and what I'll do is ask another question and say well you know is it you know tell me the steps on that or you know what what exactly is easy about it because when other people are in the audience and they're overwhelmed I mean really overwhelmed by insurance then we need to make it we need to break it down into a couple different steps so it's a little bit more digestible if that makes any sense and so we had a couple a couple situations like that and, and the people that give these tips I think it's great I'm not not you know coming down on them at all I think it's great um, it's just that it's worked really well for them in their office and think about when somebody gave you a totally different concept and the first thing you thought of in your mind was all the reasons why it wouldn't work and and so mentally that's what people do when you give them a very you know here it's simple just do it this way people will automatically in their minds go well that doesn't it may not be that simple for me it may be simple for you and so that's that internal dialogue that I know people have and so I just make it you know I just kind of break it down into easy steps so the other uh, suggestion which um, came actually from a panel I moderated for ADOM and I'll talk about ADOM in another podcast but it it was in a different uh, panel and, and one of the presenters was saying that you really do need to in the contracts make it very clear you know no new additions um, without your permission or you have to hunt for those parts of your contract that say you know they have the right to add you to different networks and then of course you need to address that and that's why it's really important to make sure that your contracts are looked at um, before you sign them the uh, ADA has a service where they will take a look at any insurance contracts before you sign them so it's always a good idea to have them looked at and of course most uh, in negotiating companies credentialing companies um, and there are also some lawyers that specialize in this will take a look at these contracts as well if they're already signed um, so you can see what your leverage is for them um, my tip to the audience was to put it into your managerial calendar to check where you are listed at least once a year. Um, I would love for you to do it more often than that, but I know time 
is money. But if you do have the energy and you do have the manpower, I think every six months is a really good time to do this. But you basically stick your doctor's name into Google. You are going to stick your practice's name into Google. Um, you're going to stick the tax ID number into Google. I'm sorry, the NPI number into Google. Um, what you'll do is you'll go to the big networks like Dentamax, Connection Dental, um, Carrington, those big networks. And you'll see which ones um, are in your area. You can talk to other office managers or you can just do a quick Google search and you'll come, come up with those. So uh, use your login, your provider login. You don't have to be a preferred provider to have a login to most of these sites. Um, there's got to be a way for non-PPO providers to log in. So if you don't already have a login and password, which you should if you're participating, but that's a different story, um, then you can log on to their network and see exactly which networks you're on. Alternatively, you could call the provider relations department and ask them to tell you which networks are attached to your ID number. And so that's a really good way of keeping your house in order and just making sure that you have the correct information. Um, one thing about the, the coding workshop that I gave in the afternoon is that there is even though people had so much experience, there was there were people in the room that just had not even dealt with dental insurance for more than a week or two uh, coming into the room. And as a presenter, that's that's a challenge. Um, and and we we know how to do it. I mean, we we've tried, we've had to do this before. But but as a as a presenter, we have to make sure that the people who are so far advanced and been doing this a while and basically just sitting in I mean really they're just sitting in to make sure they haven't missed anything um, and then you have the ones in the that are very new and I mean honestly a three-hour class isn't going to do it but what I need to do is number one make it not so scary so that they don't go in hating their new job and number two I need to lay a groundwork for them to build more and more of their insurance knowledge. So, you know, you got to cover things like deductibles, maximums, um, what are the crazy coverage um, schemes that you're going to run into so that you can best prepare to talk to the patient. Um, we do talk a, a little bit about how to have these conversations with the patients, but again, that's a whole different class. And if they are going to really get a good hold of insurance, they need to get um, some information like they need to get the ADA's guidebook, they need their coding companion, they need to get Dr. Blair's book. Um, you know, there are some basics. It's almost like an implant doctor isn't going to just wing it um, by reading occasional news clips. He or she is going to take a class and they're also going to have textbooks that go along with it. And for an insurance coordinator, it's the same. We have our textbooks that we have to look at. And, and doctors and managers, here's a tip. If you order these books and they sit there unopened and unread, then your insurance coordinator is, two things are going on. They're not a very good insurance coordinator, or maybe they're a little bit arrogant and think that they know all that they need to know. Um, most of the insurance coordinators that I know who have Dr. Blair's book or have the coding companion guide, um, they tell me that they're in that guide at least every day or every other day um, because something always comes up. So, uh, you know, as you become better, of course, you don't need to refer to it all of the time, but it should be there as a reference. It should be accessible and it should look like it's not straight out of the packaging. So um, doctors, that's something to look out for is when you when you purchase a tool, um, whether it's an instrument or whether it's a book for your team and they choose not to use that tool, to me as a manager, that was very indicative of what this type of what this employment um, length was going to be like. And I can tell you that I never had 
a lot of faith in the people who disregarded the help that I was very, you know, always offering to them. So um, keep that in mind when you are are looking at training and providing training. Um, For example, I'll I'll tell you my online course is, uh, you know, four hours long, and it's definitely a lot of meat. And there are doctors who will, you know, come to my course, they'll purchase the class for their employee, and then I'll look, I'll, I'll see who it is, and I'll remember them from a class, and I'll look, and their, their administrator has logged in to maybe the first 20 minutes of the course. I mean, I can see the progress of the course, and then they haven't done anything and and I I mean I see that across the board we have a reminder email that'll go out and and you know say hey your course has not been completed Um, and a lot of times we'll see an uptick in activity there because I think then the doctor saying hey I paid for this um, you need to pay attention to this and um, I do hear a lot that the book because it's it's small and consumed I mean the four-hour class is definitely full of information and you will have to go back and look at it again so my point after all of this is that if, if you're going to bother to take an introductory class for me, um, buy some books that are going to help you out, um, sign up for a course, then that, that's a good sign to me that you're ready to do all of the steps. And then you'll be one of those insurance coordinators that comes and takes my class who's more advanced and really is coming to take the class to just make sure that they're up on it. The challenge for me with those advanced learners is that I have to make sure that I'm not totally alienating them or putting them to sleep, really, Um, which I don't think that happens in my classes. So I I always try to put a spin on it, uh, you know, that it is, um, this is how you're going to go back and talk to your team about this. This is the stuff you need to look out for that your clinical team is, uh, is going to fall down on just, just because they don't know, not because they're not competent. They just don't know. And it's our job to distill that information down. So, um, so I think all a good time was had by all in both of the classes. Um, it, it was interesting to me, the doctors were actually more positive about the Snowden, Snowden and Snow DDS piece that I talked about um, in my Buckle Up course. I do talk about Snow DDS, which is the dental diagnostic codes, and typically that elicits some pretty crazy responses from doctors. You know, usually you'll hear somebody say um, they're ready to retire, and then they they're they're done with this, and you know, somebody by my practice, and it's it gets quite comical sometimes. Um, we always have a good laugh in the class about that, um, but this time around, um, a lot of the doctors were actually more hopeful because their documentation, um, they, it seemed overall the documentation level in this class was much higher. And one of the doctors was talking about how they're, they're a Medicaid doctor and they provide services and there's a lot more audits involved with that. And so maybe we're getting to a point where, you know, Medicaid, um, if, if it's a Medicaid-heavy state like Texas is, then uh, perhaps the documentation has become a necessity because of the number of audits that are happening. Um, or people are listening to my class more or listening to my courses more. So um, hopefully that's the case. But at any rate, just keep up with that documentation. Keep talking to your team about it. Um, make sure that you are are really staying on top of it. And so for the, the managers who you know take my class and they go back and they try to I try to put this in place in the offices what needs to happen is spot checks and and that's really with anything as a manager but we need to spot check these charts and make sure that they are up to up to speed um, would you be able to pick out dental diagnostic codes from the notes that you're seeing today and if not then let's move our teams down the road so that um, that we're getting there 
you know, uh, just in casual conversation with a lot of um, uh, hosts, attendees, doctors, um, I was able to go to the chairman's dinner, which was awesome. Um, I, they gave me a, a hat, I guess, first time presenters, they get this cowboy hat and um, it's, it's custom fitted to your head. It was, it's just beautiful. Um, that was a real thrill and I really enjoyed enjoyed that and enjoyed the table that I was sitting at. Um, my host, Kathy um, Casper, was just, uh, I mean, one of the best hosts I've ever had. And she also was presenting on forensics on Saturday. And I, unfortunately, I was flying out and didn't get to see it. But I was really, um, really, really curious to, to hear that. And I'm, I'm kind of bummed that I couldn't stay. Um, uh, managers, if, if you have not taken a dental forensics class and you're not easily grossed out, uh, it's a it's a very interesting field, and and what they're doing um, with with dental uh, forensics is, is amazing. You know the um, did you know that the the rugae or the rugae in the mouth, which is the um, those kind of nubs on the the top of your mouth, the palate, those rugae are actually um, unique identifiers like fingerprints, and uh, they are able to identify bodies with that and a couple other things. So really really interesting stuff, and and we'll touch on that in a separate uh, separate episode because I just I thought that was so interesting and I think I'm going to try to get Dr. Casper to come on as a guest uh, to explain that but in my conversations with the casual conversations with doctors um, one thing that kept coming up was that um, it's getting harder and harder to staff a dental office and I, I completely see that um, I'm hearing that again from across the country it's hard to find good help and and I know I've been doing this for a long time. I know that it's always been hard to find good help, but in particular, um, it seems like it's getting harder and harder to find good help and keep good help. Um, and I don't think that the quality of employers has gone down. I think um, there's different expectations in today's workforce. And dentistry is a hard job. It's, it's a demanding job. You're on your feet a lot. Um, even as a manager, you're on your feet. And so it's, it's really, um, it's not even a nine to five. And traditionally, dental offices don't give benefits, although that, that seems to be changing a little bit. But, but we are not, you know, hot corporate hires that provide benefits and retirement and all of that. Um, and so we're not really seen as the, you know, the place to go to right out of high school or college. Um, and, and that, you know, that's a whole demographic shift. We're going to have to talk about that. But that is definitely an issue uh, down in the Dallas area and, the, and the, the attendees of the Southwest Dental Conference. Um, I heard that loud and clear. Um, one, one thing to talk about, and, and we, we discussed this, was the expectation of training um, and how clear does that need to be. Uh, basically, when you hire somebody, you know, you need to make clear to them that they're expected to do X number hours of training, whether it be OSHA, HIPAA, insurance training, computer training, all of that, um, and make it very clear that they have to be good at this training in order to keep the job. And I know a lot of times because we're nice people, we see their faults while we're training them. But we don't really take quick enough action to get rid of them before the, t the temporary period is over, the probationary period. So if you see somebody really struggling with um, uh, software and you're really feeling like it's, it's going to be a really hard road, um, I would question whether or not you keep that person. Maybe you cut that person loose and, and put your, fit, your line back in the water because um, the most frustrating thing for a manager is 
that things will fall to the wayside and and will get pushed to the back burner as we struggle to help one or two employees who are kind of limping along. So uh, it's good for us to screen that ahead of time and to make sure that that's not happening um, with you. Uh, one other, I wanted to give you two quick coding tips before I wrap up this this episode and I need to get to my gate uh, to, to get on my next trip. Um, crown buildups. So crown buildups came up a lot in the course and there were a couple different ways that attendees were handling crown buildups. So uh, one attendee was saying that she bills the crown buildup separately and this the crowns go out on the seat date and that's fine. So I'm going to give you a couple different scenarios and none of them really are wrong um, a- actually because you know they're they're billing for what they've done and they're using the correct date. I should give give you a preface here is that one um, you should really check with the plans. I'll preface this section by saying that you should be aware of when plans will pay out for the crowns. So different plans have different uh, criteria for the seat dates for the crowns. Um, For example, you all know that Delta um, will only let you bill for the crown on the seat date. Um, MetLife and Aetna, depending on the plan, it should be okay to send it in on the prep date. Um, My preference is to always bill on the prep date, and that's just because uh, you've done the service and the ADA claim form states that uh, services are in progress and and that is certainly the case and so there's it's not wrong to bill it on the seat I'm sorry the prep date Um, it's just that certain plans will exclude paying it on the prep date and will pay it on the seat date and that's why it gets kicked back to you when you need that seat date Um, one other attendee was saying that she bills the crown with the date that they actually prepped but she waits until she gets a seat date and then adds that into the note so she so by by attaching the seat date in the electronic notes she's giving them both she's giving them the prep date which is the the date on the form and then she's giving them in the notes the seat date and she said that she bills that separately from the actual crown. The crown goes on a separate procedure, which is the seat date, um, or a separate claim. And so that'll go out on the seat date. Um, there are many people who still um, were saying that they write off buildups a lot, and that has to do with denials and disallows. Um, and so we had a discussion about how if it's a denial, it's not a covered benefit, then it's it, you can bill it back to the patient if it's not a covered benefit. Um, if it's a disallow, meaning it's wrapped up into the fee of the crown, that's a fairly new um, set of language that we're seeing on claims, and I would always appeal that, and I gave them steps for that. Um, I am hearing the second point on, on coding. I am hearing all around that perio coding um, for 4341 and 4342 is um, getting harder and harder to get reimbursed, and that I, that doesn't surprise me at all. I, I kind of saw that coming. Um, it's become a, a, a real um, utilization issue. I mean, m- a lot of people in the country have gum disease, and so it's not surprising to see that this is a very high, highly utilized code. Um, and because of that, we are seeing that there are restrictions, more and more restrictions. Um, I would bet that if you looked at the actuarial data of these uh, claims adjuster or these these companies, insurance companies, you would see that Perio and Crown submissions are a huge chunk of the benefit payments that are sent out and so it would make sense that they are restricting those dollar amounts and so um, the way to do that 
and I'm not saying that they're doing that, but it would make sense to me if I were looking at this from a business point of view, um, would be to look at the benefit uh, allowances and to see if there's any way to tighten those up. The consensus in the crowd was that um, we ba basically have to have our current perio charting, which we all knew that, and our current radiographs, which we all knew that. Um, and we're going to just have to be a little bit more descriptive in the periodontal notes. And so instead of just having regular perio charting, let's go a little bit deeper and make sure that we have the furcations, make sure that we have the, the separation, make sure we have all of that there. So just make it as, as complete as possible. I also um, recommended highly having intraoral images uh, because sometimes doctor, uh, sometimes the um, consultant, the reviewing consultant really can't see inflammation um, and can't see all of the blood. I mean, take some pictures while you're doing the procedure. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but basically your documentation is where, where it's what's going to make or break you. Um, and I, I hear more and more doctors are having to request consultant conversations, meaning they, they go through the appeals process and they actually want to talk to a doctor who reviewed their claims. And so don't be surprised if you're finding yourselves going up that ladder as well because that's that's definitely what I'm hearing um, with other people. So uh, we'll talk next time about ADOM. That was another meeting that I was I was attending and, and presenting at and that was a really fun meeting, one of my favorites. And we'll also talk about the Delta situation because that's really uh, something's going on up in Washington State and we want to make sure um, that we stay on top of that. I am on my way down to a meeting uh, in Atlanta, and it's the National Association of Dental Plans, and, and this is one of the meetings where I get to sit in class and, and listen to all sorts of, of data presentations and, and to listen to trends and to listen to um, how to handle different electronic fields and all that kind of stuff. Um, and for some of you, you're going, geez, thank God she goes to this class and listens to it instead of me. And that's what I do. That's why I do it. I do it all for you guys. So um, at any rate, uh, until the next uh, podcast, please, if you if you like this, please share it. Um, and if you can, head on over to iTunes or Google Play or wherever it is that you're you're listening to it through and give me a rating because uh, that's how I get some visibility is if I get rated and uh, that's how they'll figure out that I should probably be featured along other people um, and it goes that way so hopefully you were able to get some information out of today's episode and be able to use it in your um, offices immediately until the next podcast signing off subscribe to this podcast so you'll get our next candid discussion Visit Teresa's website, odysseymgmt.com. That's odysseymgmt.com for more information on Teresa's courses, books, and speaking schedule. Subscribe to her newsletter while you're there. Don't say we didn't tell you that.